It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Hobby Hotline, episode number 116. It is Saturday, January 22nd. It is early for me. I just woke up. Rich, welcome, and how are you today? I'm good. It's It's been quite an interesting week for all concerned, and we're going to touch upon that in a couple minutes, but it was... Uh, we're going to focus on something positive that came out of the Dallas Card Show last week rather than the negative stuff. And we'll I'm go looking, from there. I'm looking forward to that for sure, for sure. We do have a couple of topics to to touch on today, and uh, but why don't we start with the good one, Rich? Because uh, well, first let's say good morning. We have Eric Perry in the house. Good morning, Eric, baseball card trooper. Chris Harris in the house. We have Rex Gotcher. Good morning from New Buffalo. Mi, what's Mi? Is that Michigan? Michigan, that's correct. Michigan, we're on the big screen. Logan Ward, good morning. 70s card show, good morning. You rock star. So, Rich, um, yeah, there's there's been a, a run of issues in the hobby since the since we saw the new year come into play here. And uh, but you were just telling me, and I, you know, that that uh, at the Dallas card show, amongst all the action that was going on there, you had your own bit of action. Um, it, you know. So what happened was you actually sold your whole table in one transaction at the card show. And th- this is the stuff that legends are made of. This is the stuff that as card show participants, we hear about it. We, uh, you know, you kind of, you're always wondering, how does that work? What happens when someone comes in? So why don't you talk about it? Let, let, talk about that uh, that big transaction you went into. How did it How did it come about? What was the, well, what was the negotiation? This was actually like? a lot simpler than you think it was. Um what was funny was that it's is the same number I gave somebody last year. And it was a pretty serious conversation about three days before the show. Somebody called me, I gave the number and okay. And we talked a couple more times and that was my number. And, uh, all, and I said, by the way, you got to get everything I have at home. I want really want to start fresh and I'll get you everything I have at home too, because I'm just going to start fresh and just do less and I'm at the show, and I've never seen this person with a mask on before. And I've never seen this person. And he he comes and he shows me his money. And he takes the mask. Oh, okay, it's you. Okay, done. Throws the money on the table. We start packing up. He gets a hand truck. And uh, and my friend who I had borrowed my showcases from, I called him and I said, by the way, you're getting... Uh, you need to take your showcases home because it'll be a while before I'll be using your showcases again. I mean, it was it took a it took a little while. And the funniest thing is, so the the actual transaction was, and I'm told I wasn't the only person he bought out. But, and it wasn't even the first person who had been bought out at the Dallas Card Show. At the previous show, one of these vendors who I, and both Dr. Jim and I buy a lot from. He had been bought out at the previous Dallas card show. He's already restocked and going at it. And, you know, it's something good for him and his son to do. His son's in college. So it was a different person. But it's certainly something interesting to realize you're walking around with money and no cards. Yeah. And you can start totally fresh. And... Ryan Nolan says, you know, that's going to make a really good article. How are you going to start over? Right. And I, and I think I'll do that for my next client's, <coughs> client's corner art, article. Hey, I'm going to start over. I want to hear your, your suggestions on how to start over. My current game plan is actually not to buy anything until Tops 1 comes out. And I understand it's a money loser to buy a box of Tops 1. But on the other hand, it's almost bringing me back to my roots. What are you going to buy? You buy the packs from when you were growing up. Right. It's the collector so again. This is the kind of excitement that I get to start over again. And this is like the third time I've started over. 
right. there are certain things that work for me that don't work for other people. And uh, I know what works for me. And I paid certain bills immediately with the money. I said, there's money. And then it would also gave me the freedom to do is now with each paycheck, put money, put a good chunk of money away to make sure I have the money to go to Atlantic City for the national under any condition. Because I haven't been to New Jersey since my dad passed in 2006. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine, Steve Ruskowski, who had a store in Teaneck, New Jersey for 38 years, uh, died a couple days ago of pancreatic cancer. I mean, he had a store for 38 years. I would have gone to his store and visited him. Obviously, I can't do that now. But I want to go home to see people like that. Yeah. You know, to go home at least once to see people, go to the Nationals, see, see the East Coast people I don't get to see. It's going to give me the freedom to do that too. Sorry for the loss of your friend uh, and for, you. for the and for the ho- on on you know a hobbyist as well. That's a never never a, a fun story. But Rich, and we do have we do have a caller. We do have a caller. Let's bring on our caller, and then I've got some questions for you. Uh, welcome to the show, Brad. I, that the background looks a little familiar. Are we going to have any echo? I, I muted myself, so hopefully we're not. Hopefully good we're stuff. not. If, can you, at least can you hear me? That's a good thing. You're yeah. loud and clear. Excellent. We, so, we hear you well. We hear you well. Jeremy Lee. How are yes, you? we're we are going to spend an afternoon go uh, sort helping Dr. Beckett sort some of his most recent cards and all his other stuff that he that he gets. So it'll be a fun Saturday afternoon. So Rich, let's let's keep talking about this because I think it's 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 it is very interesting. So the person that bought out your table, was this somebody that you were familiar with that you, yes. that you mentioned that they, they reached out to you ahead of time, you gave them a number and then they showed up at the show with the money. And that was, it, it was really as simple as that. And is this, is this a person who is known for buying out tables? Is this what they do? I don't know if he's known for buying out tables, but I guess he's going to start doing more of that. You know, he, he there's a local card store, the, the most local card store I have, Triple Cards of Plano. He's the person that bought, they used to have a wall of commons in their store. When the current owners bought it from the previous owner, there was a wall of commons. What they've done is they've basically made that a supply wall. And making it a supply wall or inventory wall is gives a much better ROI. And he bought out for the business he does, he bought out their, we'll call it their wall of commons. So he's done this before. I don't think he's ever bought tables out at shows before that I know of, but he very well could have. Was it early on the on the card show? Or it was later? Saturday afternoon. I had actually had a terrible card show. I mean, it was funny because Thursday night, I don't do much business anyway. So I made one sale for $2. Okay. Friday, I made one sale for $10. Saturday, you know, Brad was with me. We called into Hobby Hotline. I actually made a sale during Hobby Hotline. And I was probably going to make others. And all of a sudden, this happened after. after I'm sort of glad he came after Hobby Hotline ended. Because could you imagine what it would have been like close, closing everything during Hobby Hotline? <laughs> Would have been interesting for the audience for sure. Yeah, because we sure. were doing a live calling. So, Rich, here's a question for you, Rich. You're you sold out your your inventory, and you're talking about starting over again, and you're talking about opening up a box of modern tops baseball cards. So, does that mean that the inventory that you sold to this guy is this? Was it the result of was your inventory the result of opening your own product, or was it was it? years or months years of just buying and selling singles at card shows and picking them up here there and wherever how did you acquire the inventory that you selling singles and stuff at card shows it really wasn't buying a lot of boxes i mean i occasionally would go to walmart and buy the 20 dollars boxes but Great you know question. what was here 70s card show says what was the best card you had at the table when you sold it what was what was the what was it well, what was the worth I'm going to use the term best. I don't know what the best is, but I'll tell you the rarest card I had. How about, and also tell, also tell us the most valuable. And I suspect it's going to work as both the most valuable and the rarest. Okay. 
I had been, and I've got it, and I'll be sending them a check this week for the stuff being raw because I didn't get a chance to sell it graded. Um, I had a 1992 score promo George Brett, which after 16 months at Beckett came back a PSA, a, a BGS nine. Now, if you look at ComC or you look at eBay, there may be 10 total promos available between the two sites. I haven't checked other sites. It's they're just not out there. And that was by far the rarest card and the most valuable card I had. I had I had some other cards that were valuable in different ways, but I'm going to call them fake values. I had a pretty nice Serena Williams SI for kids card. You look at the value, you say, that's that value is that. But, you know, so when I wrote 1250 on it, it's like, I'll take whatever somebody gives me because I paid a quarter for it. Yeah. So here's a question, Rich. So when you're talking about starting over now, are you going to take some of this money that you got from selling the table? And are you, are you going to also look for, are you going to look to buy in uh, somebody's small collection? Are you going to pick off singles on ComC and eBay? How are you going to restock? Aside from buying a box of Topps baseball cards to relive your youth, and that's fun. And that's the this is the collector. Like Rich, Rich is a Rich is somebody who sets up the card shows as a dealer, but you're also and probably more so a collector. So it's coming out right away. Hey guys, I just sold out. I got all this money now. I'm going to go buy some packs and open packs and build a set of Topps baseball. But are you also going to try and build an inventory so you can fill up showcases at uh, future card shows? Yes, it'll be a while, but yes, I mean, there are certain vendors at the show I buy from. At the Dallas Card Show, there are certain vendors I buy from, so I will be seek, seeking out their tables and building up my inventory that way. Good, cool. So there are certain things I do that will continue to be done. And there are other things that I, you know, I know... And I'm going to always try to stay in my lane. And I learned that along. I learned that that my lanes are X, Y, and Z. And I don't go to something different. Yeah. yeah you know, I'm not going to start doing Pokemon. I know there's a good market on that. I don't know anything about it. I don't know gaming. I'm not going into those worlds. Are you going to go into the G.I. Joe world? Sorry, I had to I had to say no, that. I'm not going into that world either. All right. Even though Let, those cards were very hot at the Dallas Card Show, by the way. I bet they were. I, there's so much folklore around them now. Listen, let's uh I wanna I wanna address uh, and say hello to everybody else in the comments, and then let's uh let's see what Brad has to say. Uh I'm sure he's got a few insights into the the table sale and 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 just the you know the a general feel for what your inventory was like. But let's say good morning to to Bobby Baseball. We've got uh, Chris Massey in the house. 70s Car Show says, Rich, I'd buy his table anytime. Has great stuff. That's a great uh, a great vote of confidence there. Chris says, Guy in Commerce, Georgia show, sold his entire table for 10K. For pretty cool, pretty cool. Getting a bit of a props here from Baseball Card Trooper. Had one trout to 7,500. Interesting. Sports Card Detour. Good morning. Says, hello to you. Brad, Eric Perry says, so Brad, yeah, Brad, I don't know if everyone noticed yet, but uh, look at the background of Brad's uh, Brad's vision. What do you see in the background there? That's my, the back of my head. We're getting, we're getting the front and the back of Rich, everybody. The front and the back of Rich this morning. 70s card show. Yeah, we did that one. Bobby Baseball says, when I was a teen dealer back in the 80s, I bought out a dealer next to me at a show. Mom lent me the money. Incredible memories going through cards for days after school and making a killing good on you bobby baseball for sure logan ward wants you to buy some nascar rich and uh daniel busby in the house good morning daniel hit that like button everybody and reppin rajon rondo says yeah good morning to you i'm a big podcast listener to all y'all stuff and it's nice to catch you live great to see you reppin rajon for sure so brad welcome thanks for calling in what do you think i mean listen brad whenever i've seen content from the Dallas Card Show, and Rich is in it. It seems like you're always there with him. You're at the table. You're hanging out with Rich. What uh, What do you think about Rich selling his stuff? Was it Was it Was it a good move for him? Was it a bad move? A bad move? What do you think about Rich's transaction? And were you there during it? So, uh, first off, thanks and appreciate you, Jeremy, for all you do. Uh, the reason why I'm you see Rich and I together, so I consider. Uncle Rich and Uncle 
and a mentor. So, you know, I, I try to absorb and ask advice and, you know, luckily Rich and I are kind of geographically connected as well as Hobby Hotline Connect. I have the luxury to be able to, anytime I need to or want to ask Rich, Rich a question, we'll go to lunch and we'll, we'll, we'll have discussions. I can come up here to ComC. Uh, I talk to Rich all the time. Uh, and so at the Dallas Card Show, uh, Rich is very gracious enough to let me come sit with him at his table for a while. He'll let me put cards in his, in his table. Uh, I, I, I'm very blessed to have him in my life. Um, I am, when I heard that Rich sold his table, I was actually there like right as he was doing it. And then I had to leave to go to, to go meet some people. When I came back, because I came back with Mike Moynihan, he goes, I just sold out my table. And I went, what? That's awesome. Because, I mean, that, that anytime you get a chance to, to do that, I mean, first you go, yes, I sold my table. And then you went, oh, I sold my table. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you went, I sold my table. I get to start from scratch. So, <laughs> you know, the highs and lows for that. I, I think it's absolutely amazing. It's absolutely incredible. Think about somebody with, with Rich's knowledge and connections and just getting to start from zero. How much fun that would be to be able to do something like that. I'm, I'm extremely excited. Uh, I get to spend like 45 minutes in the car with him today. So he's going to get grilled on, <laughs> on how he's going to do and what he's going to do. Um, and then it's not like he doesn't have like all sorts of sources to buy cards and, and, and where to go and, and, and what to do. His, his collection, he has almost, his table almost had two sides. He had a very vast amount of, of um, vintage. And then he had a vast amount, and by vast, I don't know, what was it, like 40? No, it was five times three is 15 times four. It's whatever, 60. Yeah, 60 uh, monster boxes of cards that was stars, semi-stars, a little bit of commons, a little bit of vintage, miscut cards. I mean, anything that you wanted to be able to find in this, in this, these boxes you could find. So I could, I would spend, I spent an entire Saturday, one Saturday starting from one side and I only made it through probably 15 boxes. So I mean, just the, the, the digging and the, and the fun and all, the, all that that entailed, it, it was it was mind-blowing at first. And then when you really dug in, you're like, oh, I like that card, I like that card, I like that card, I like that card, I like that card. And I think at one point in time, I think I'd bought and bought and I think I'd bought, <laughs> didn't listen to the Boston guys too much. Uh, I think I bought like uh, at least 100 to 150 cards at one point in time and could still and could still like go for days so it to watch rich rich grow grow his collection <laughs> is going to be absolutely amazing and I, I i can't wait just to, to watch the journey so, so question for you rich. For him. I, I have a question for you rich so i don't know if you've i don't think you mentioned what you sold it for we heard someone else mentioned uh uh table selling for ten thousand. but regardless of what it sold for do you know for certain one way or another, whether or not it was a profitable sale for you? Was there, was it, you know, was it a, was, was there margin in selling all those cards? Uh, was it a break even? Did you take a small loss? Uh, how, how do you, what, what do you know about that? I don't know because I never kept good records on that. So I, I got to be honest, I just, I always have a number in mind and Brad will tell you that people will come to, people will come to me and there was one show I brought my quarter boxes. We'll call them my quarter boxes. And somebody said, what do you want for a box if I if I pull enough? And I gave a number. And he goes, you're too fast on knowing. I said, you always have to know what you want. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To sell out, you always have to have a number. Yeah. Because somebody could just do that. So I always had a number. And even if it was something simple like the 5,000 count box, I had every card sleeved of, uh, you know, we'll call it my quarter boxes. It was dime quarter. I had a sliding scale. Uh, but I knew the price I wanted per box. And so this guy walked out with two boxes at that show because I was doing Com C work at that show instead of for me. So I believe in always having a number in mind in case the unusual happens and somebody buys you out. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's something I learned. And my numbers are, oh, I try to make sure my number is fair. And strangely enough, I do it on a per car. I was doing it on a per car, uh, price per card basis. You know, some stuff I'm, you know, on that level, yes, there's some stuff you're losing on and some stuff you're winning big on. Yeah. But it's so overall, it's a win. It's also generating income. So it's a win on that level. You know, if somebody, you know, Brad set up at the, not at the smaller Dallas card show, and if somebody come to him and say, I, I will pay out your table for X amount of money, you know, he should always have an answer. Yes, I get that. Uh, he should always have it. You know, he should always have an idea ready. You know, and there are some people who don't ever want to sell out. I get that totally. Yeah. And, and it's an interesting conundrum. I mean, I'm sitting at the show. I've got money in my pocket. And the first thing I did was go home to try to just instead of spending money and like, oh, my God, I got this money. Okay. I'm going to go home and try to at least sort it out. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So an interesting story. Everybody that, that we know together at the Dallas Card Show was like, where's Rich? He bought his table. Why is he buying? Where's Rich? And everybody's like, I don't know. Where's Rich? <laughs> he took off. It was hilarious. Like, where's he buying more cards? I, where's he I, I went home and, and, you know, and what was my comms teammates, Angela and Stefan, they came up to the show because they were going to do some due diligence uh, as part of their comp C work and, uh, you know, about what was going on at the show. And they called me on my way home while I explained what happened. And, I mean, Saturday was quite an emotional day on a couple levels because, you know, I make no secret about being Jewish. I've written about the show I've run for my synagogue. Well, 45 minutes from where I live is where – in Colleyville, Texas, the the four people were held hostage. You know, we had as good as a, almost as good as a possible result out of all that. And you know, God bless the rabbi who had gone through training, you know, to keep everybody, you know, how to go through a hostage situation. I mean, it's kind of sad that you don't even feel safe in your own sanctuary. Yes. Yeah, but definitely. I get a phone call, and she's and Angela tells me, and I and I'm like, you know. I'm on my way home. I hadn't heard anything about that. And I spent the rest of the day, we all spent the rest of the day riveted to the TV set watching what was going on in Colleyville. So, I mean, it was quite an emotional day on two levels up. I have no cards to take home. I'm home. And I'm just like sitting there like, what am I going to do now? And, yeah. and, you know, remember, my office is across the street from the Dallas Card Show. So instead of going to the show on Sunday, I went to work. And it was almost like a normal Sunday. It was just the, because I work most Sundays. It was just the funniest. On one level, that was like, okay, I, you know, it's like instead of turning left, I turned right. Or when you won't go to a fork on the road, you take it. Well, I took the, I took the other, other prong of the fork. Yeah. Okay. I want to, I want to, I want to just, uh, cause I got, I got, there's, there's, there's so much good stuff here, Rich. Eric says in my younger days, I often sold my entire collection and started over every time I sold off the collection. I'd spend the money before I left the show. Great times. Now you didn't do that. You 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 pulled. You know you pulled like what in poker you'd call a hit and run, right? You sit down at the table, you take everybody's money, and you leave before they have a chance to win it back. You pulled the hit and run at the card show. You went in, you sold out, and and you left. I'm just kidding, of course. And and that that's uh, 
that's certainly not frowned upon. But another thing, you know, you mentioned that you don't know whether or not you made money on the sale, lost money. And so I like to me, Rich, uh, and I've never seen you set up at a card show. Um, I, I've seen you sitting at, at tables at the National, but I've never been to your booth. And um, so to me, you're, you're obviously you're a professional in the hobby, but I don't know. And this I don't know if you're a professional dealer, you know, like some people are. And so if you are a professional dealer or you're or you're making a business out of buying and selling sports cards, you sort of need to know what you have into your cards so that when you sell them, you know whether or not you're, you know, you kind of want to know what your bottom line is. And it's hard, especially when you're dealing in thousands and thousands of cards, it's really hard to keep track of that. So at that point, you almost just need to go by gut feel. But I just think it's important for, you know, if you're a, if you're a vendor at a card show, how do, you know, I personally, I do set up a card shows. I have a system where I can, I can pretty quickly access my cost on, on any card that I'm selling. So I know what, what my bottom line needs to be. If I have a card that I'm into for a hundred dollars and I have a price at 150 and someone offers me 120, I can quickly find out, okay, what am I into this for? Can I sell this for 120 and still not lose money? And so, you know, I, I just, I put it to both of you, uh, comments on that, like, you know, regardless of whether you're into it as, for fun or not, it's, it is, I think it is important to know what you're into things for. I'm not calling the outrich because it doesn't matter at some point, right? It doesn't even matter. You just, you, you got out, you're happy. But what do you guys think about that whole thing about like, you know, the, the, the business acumen of dealers at card shows in our hobby. And do you think most of them know what they're into things for? Are they going by memory or are they going by sort of gut feel? Where do you go first? So I actually know. I, I, I actually, I probably have about, I'd say 10,000 cards I, I, by now. And I'm probably inching slowly up towards 15. And I have a pretty good idea of what I would, because one of the nice things is I remember where I got every card from and that's just, you know, sales and all the, my background. So I kind of, I, I kind of know, okay, this card, I got at X and I know I got X into it. And if I, if I bought a collect, like when I buy from rich, I have a dollar amount and, and I keep track of when I hit that dollar amount, I think it's zero. So if I, if I buy a hundred cards and I've got 25 into them, once I get to that $25, I don't care from there. From there, the rest is profit, and I'll, I'll exercise as well. When I put cards into a dollar box, when I have the dollar box, I know, okay, I've got X number of cards into 400, 400 cards into this box. I know that I've in, in the box, I've got cards that are probably 100 bucks. So anything between four and one, I could sell it at and anything above that's profit, but then you've got replacement costs that's, that's involved in that as well. Um, when I, when I do a table, I know, okay, my entire table, this part's X, this part's Y, this part's Z. Um, altogether, I brought, let's say a thousand dollars at the table. I know I've got the table costs plus whatever I've got into it. I've got that dollar amount into it and anything above that is profit. So, I do have an Excel spreadsheet that I use because when, when I get to a certain, I want to know when I become profitable, once I could become profitable, I'm like, okay, this can, it can kind of fall off. Plus I do it for taxes and, and blah, blah, blah. But I, I always try to know from when I buy a, a set of cards or a collection or a blaster or wherever uh, that and once I reach that point, I'm profitable and I, you know, then it becomes what is yours as a business person or as a collector and what that number is. And then, you know, okay, well, I can pull X number of cards for my collection and I can pull X number of cards for well, the hardest part becomes trading when you're trading and when, and when you're at the table and you're trading for me, that becomes a little harder is to say, okay, I traded this card. It's kind of, you know, two for one is or one for two. Then it becomes a little tougher for me. Um, at that point, I'm just like, meh, <laughs> you know, <'cause laughs> yeah. when you get home, you try to, you try to figure it out and you try to like, okay. But sometimes I just, I, I get lost, but most of the time I, I, I have a pretty good idea of, of what it is. So. 
Yeah, it, you know, really it, very interesting stuff, especially on the trading piece there, Brad, because you're right. Once, you know, it's hard to track your cost on things. If you're constantly trading, it's like, how do you allocate all this? Yeah, I do. I, I will say I do have a system for this that I've been using for many years and it works really well, but I'm also extremely detail oriented. A couple comments here. 1977 cloth says, who cares what you're into it for anyway? The market changes. Very true. Very true. It goes on Very to say, true. if you're in it for 100 and it's currently going for 50, but someone offers you 75, it's a good sell at current market. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Very no doubt. Great comments. I wasn't even thinking like that. And I guess part of that is because for me at card shows, I don't even think I've ever had that experience. Like, believe it or not, when I'm buying and selling at card shows, I don't have a lot of cards that are doing this in the marketplace, mostly because I'm not buying this year's rookies. I don't have a lot of ultra modern. So that's not that's never been an issue for me now. Not I shouldn't say never very rarely, but it has, in which case I still like to know what happened. I still want to know, you know, like if a card that I bought this, it's a great example here. You know, this has happened. It's happened to all of us. I'm pretty thankful to say it doesn't happen to me very often. But when it does, I still want to know. Did I lose $25? Did I lose $50? Because the market will dictate what you can get for it, but it can also help you decide whether you want to sell it. And some people would say, well, sell it. It's what it's worth. Well, sure, but you may have a feeling about a card moving forward and think, well, I think it's going to come back. I'm willing to ride it for another six months, a year. So, I mean, so the comment of who cares what you're into it for, I, I certainly care what I'm into it for. Regardless of the market changing, that's irrelevant to me. I like to know what, and it also helps for accounting and tax reporting purposes to know what you're into something for. So there are many reasons to know, but 77 cloth is right. The market changes. And, you know, if you're going to get an offer that's over market, then maybe take the money and run. So what were you going to say, Brad? So that's, that's actually, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a, a, just a blanket case. I mean, I bought a box of Top's Finest this year, 2021. I spent $350 on, on the box. Each card is allocated at $3.50. Yeah. That's a lot. Every time I sell a card, it's a loss. The box is a loss because the, the only way I'm selling those cards are at 99 cents. So I paid $3.50 for the card. I, I, I'm buying it or I'm selling it for nine. I'm losing money by having that card. But in the, the only way they're going to go is if the rookies pop or so I know that I'm taking a loss. Yeah. You, you kind of just have to take it and take it as a lesson learned. You know, you next year, you keep buy your hands down. Sorry, sorry to cut you up. Please keep your hands down because when you raise them, I can see them come up behind Rich's shoulder. It's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Brad brought up an interesting point about, I think that's one reason, to be honest, breaking does so well, because then you're not, I want to say, you know, if you're a Kansas City Royals fan or a Toronto Blue Jays fan or a Yankees fan, you know, and you get into breaks for all the teams, you know, that you, you, you know, you get your breaks, you're not spending, you know, you may not make money necessarily, but you're also becoming, you're, you're keeping the teams you want. If you're a fan of the team, the, to me, getting a break is the best way to do it. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm just thinking as a collector there, it makes life easier. And I mean, that's been being done for a long time. Way back in my Beckett days, there was a guy named Neil Hoppenworth, I believe he's still selling cards. And Neil had, we'll call it the $100 club. Every time he would break the cases for the team sets and all of that, you know, you'd send him $100 in advance. And as, as you got up to the $100, he would send you cards of the teams. So, I mean, breaking for teams has actually been done a long time. Mm -hmm. It's just that it's now with all the inserts, it's a lot more um, higher stakes, let's say. Right. Yeah. But, but you know, it. Okay. It, it's certainly an interesting, you know, scenario because I consider myself an amateur professional dealer because I've been, I was full-time in the eighties. And when I do anything related to the business, I always thought, and Brad will tell you that I hammered this into him. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That Brad, if you're going to be a full-time dealer, you can't be a collector at this point. Right. You know, and, you know, in, and, you know, we went to lunch when he told me that. And I said, that's the only piece of advice I'm going to give you. Did he <laughs> listen to me always? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. But... <laughs> But, but in all seriousness, since, and that's why I think it's the most important thing to do is to wait till Tops once come out and buy the box because I have to remember where my roots are. With the understanding on those boxes and then Heritage is supposed to come out about two weeks later, with the understanding, unless I get some insane hit, I'm not going to make money on that. And I understand that. Yeah, in that case, in that case, that's that's uh, so. Here, there's a there's another comment by seventy seven cloth here that that I think well, I have to address it. it. Says the loss is taken at the purchase, the sell is a gain no matter what the sale. So, I'm just going to say I, I fundamentally disagree with this statement. I think I think it, it's um it's one way to look at things, but it depends how you approach your business or your hobby approach. Right now, what 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 seventy seven cloth is doing is he's ta- this is this is cash accounting. If you right. are if you are using cash accounting versus accrual accounting, um, th- then fine that that'll work for you. If if the only if your indicator of success is is the amount of cash, which is a great scorecard, but knowing but see for me I completed I treat it completely opposite. The loss isn't taken to the purchase. That's a, when you purchase something that is a debit to your assets. Right. It's, it's not a debit to your income statement expenses because you still have something. You have something that you can do something with. When you sell it, that's when you take the expense. That's called cost of goods sold. You move the inventory off your balance sheet onto your income statement and you have your revenue. So it's to me, this is it's one way to look at it, but it's it's just not the fundamental. It's to me, there's better ways. Smart. I don't want to say smarter ways, but um, just, just more. At, because in accounting, you have various principles of, of matching your expenses to your revenues and timing, and this this disrespects all that. And so, I don't treat it like that, and I don't encourage anybody to treat it like this. But if 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 it works for you, it works for you. So yeah. don't want to argue uh, about it uh, for sure. Um, Another great comment here from that 70s card show says, this is why the corporate suite will never integrate the hobby. The secondary market is the driving source. And this, I love this because when it was announced that Fanatics uh, acquired the licenses, hijacked the licenses from Panini and Tops back in August, the hobby is up in arms. Oh my God, the hobby is going to never be the same, never be the same. Well, I always thought to myself, Hang on a second. You've got 140 years body of work of the hobby that's that's not changing no matter what Fanatics does. That is not going to change. Those cards are out there. Card shows are going to continue. LCSs are going to continue. Even if an LCS can't get this year's latest product of Topps Baseball or Panini Basketball, there is still, I mean, 99% of the history of the hobby is still available for them to transact upon. So, I agree. And I certainly agree that the secondary market is the driving force. And, and by the uh, way, I always, by I always the way, hope Rex, that card companies sorry. keep that in mind and recognize it and, and respect that. Uh, go ahead, Rick. By the way, Rex points, Rex, you know, and thank you for putting us on in your show as usual. Rex says he's got a Fanatics account. He probably won't have much trouble getting the cards from Fanatics. So I think, you know, people worry about what they don't know but i have i i don't think it's going to be that bad i think that you know there'll be some bumps in the road but i think overall it will work out you know the, the you know they will learn what they will learn 
and I, I, I just wanted us to make sure we have a baseball season this year. Yeah, I right. mean, you know, I could go on a rant about Rob Manfred, but basically I think he's an idiot, you know, not realizing they have a golden goose. He could be killing the sport of baseball, trying to make billionaires more money. Dude, yeah. these guys are not, these guys are not dumb. They wouldn't be doing this if they didn't have the money, didn't want to do it. Yeah. So, Fair. you know, make a couple adjustments for both the players and yourself, get it done, get spring training done on time. We want to enjoy 2022. We don't need that. Yeah. But, uh, but I do want to point out something about the Dallas card show. And we, 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 we've been talking about my positive experiences, but one of our fellow hobby hotline uh, guest host, Ryan Nolan has done two really good videos about the unfortunate incident that happened last Saturday night at the Dallas card show. And I do not know the details. So I'm not saying anything, but I would definitely recommend that anybody who wants to refer to Ryan's video, he's breakout cards. Just go to that. He's, he's done a pretty good job explaining what happened. And, and since he was there and I wasn't, or since he was closer, since I was long gone, that's all I really want to say on the subject. Okay. So Good. Let's. Uh, we, we're going to transition to another topic. I'm going to just go through a few more comments, and then we're going to move on to uh, again an, another topic. Uh, so right here, Repin Rajan says breaking is never a good investment, but awesome for collectors. And I've always said I stop. I stop. Mo- I, I cut out 98 percent of my breaking several years ago because it just never paid off. I, I got tired of feeling depressed when I'd leave the card shop after dropping whatever a thousand bucks and having much less than that in value. I never enjoyed that. Um, I love the break, but I, I did not like the uh, the feeling that came after when it didn't when you didn't hit big. So, but but I, I'm thankful for breaking because that's what releases all these cards into the wild that we then have a shot at at finding. Jenny Miller, good morning to you. Logan Ward says I'm an amateur professional collector. I love it. And uh, and and Eric says those who believe fanatics is doing something new don't know their hobby history too well. Go back 100 years. We've seen other companies trying to corner the sports card market. Fair comment. So, Logan has one of the greatest collections on the PSA registry. He has the sophomoric names collection. I think he's number one on the registry for that. And he was just, I, you know, I get the uh, PSA email uh, on a weekly basis and I opened it up last week, and there's Logan front and center uh, being featured in the PSA email. So that was cool, and I did send him a, a quick congratulations. Let's talk about, and uh, Daniel Busby did uh, ask this question uh, about 20 minutes ago. He says, can I ask what you guys think about the group grading problem that came up? So for some quick context, because I'm sure most people are aware of this, but for quick context, there is a, a PSA group submitter based out of California located close to the PSA head office that got behind on paying their bills. They were collecting, they were collecting. So they would, they would uh, receive submissions from other uh, individual collectors, other LCS owners who were collecting cards from their customers. This individual would collect all these cards and then submit them on behalf of everybody else to PSA. They would, I believe, collect the money up front from their submitters and then they would pay PSA once PSA sent the cards out. So they were sitting on customers' money for months and months and months. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming at this point, we just know how, how long the backlog has been. Well, apparently that money went away somehow. I don't know if they were irresponsible with it or they lost it or they just spent it on other things. And they did not have the money now to pay for the customers' cards to come back. Big, big blow up in hobby. Everyone was talking about it. So... Um, so I think, and I think this is an important thing to address because in my mind, gentlemen, there is a fundamental issue here that needs to be made, uh, aware to everybody in the hobby who may consider using one of these third party, uh, third party group submitters. Now there's a bunch of questions that come out of this from many people. You see a lot of people posting like, you know, be responsible. Do submit your own cards. Take the time and submit your own cards. Why do people use group submitters? And you know, I think about that a lot. I also think, it, to me, it's similar to why do you use people? Why, why would you give your cards to an eBay consigner to sell for you? And the answer to me is quite simple. It just comes down to time and and cost benefit analysis of your time. You know, a lot of people don't have. 
don't have the time. I'm somebody who would use a group submitter. When, when I do submit, I would use a group submitter because to me, it's just, it's a time saver. It's worth it to spend the extra money uh, and do that. Now, there's a lot of questions that come up here and a very well-known um, LCS owner named Ryan, who card collector too, very well-known, huge Instagram following and, a, and a, a, a superb, a pristine reputation in the hobby. I believe still pristine, even though he's he's come uh, he's undercome some criticism lately for trusting his. Now this doesn't just go for Ryan, a card collector too, but anyone who is giving cards to these guys, you know, are should you be entrusting your cards and or your customers' cards with one of these group submitters? And what sort of due diligence have you done on them to make sure that they're going to remain solvent so that your cards aren't going to end up in limbo? hoping you get them back someday. And this is what happened. Now, we do know that Ryan stepped up in a monster way. I mean, I, it, it's almost inconceivable. He stepped up. He went, he went to, got on a plane. He went to California and he, and he paid for the second time to get his customers' cards back from PSA. And he's still undergoing uh, some criticism from people out there for, well, you shouldn't have done it in the first place. And he has basically said, I shouldn't have done it in the first place. Lesson learned. Now, sorry for rambling here, guys, but one more comment is that, and this, you know, this, this might be controversial, but I think it's good that this happened for the industry. Now, it's not good for Ryan. It's not good for all the collectors that, that may, or, that hopefully everyone get, hopefully everybody gets their cards back. So the, the good thing that comes out of this, though, is that the hobby now knows and PSA needs to tighten up who they put on their website as an approved group submitter. They need to attach their reputation to these group subbers and make sure that that the um, that that they can really tie their you know hit, hitch their carriage to that horse and say, hey, we are we believe in this person. We know that they're going to remain solvent. That they are solvent. The payment structure needs to be adjusted a little bit, and and hopefully the hobby is when I say it's. Good this happened. I don't mean for anybody who lost money. Not good for Ryan, who's out over 100000 Not good for any collector who doesn't get their cards back. But moving forward, I think it'll strengthen this ecosystem in our hobby with in terms of group submitters. I think going forward, we'll be able to trust them a bit more because they will have undergone more due diligence by PSA and hopefully anyone else is going to submit through them. So with all that context laid out there, I did. I do have um, two things to share the screen and we can go over. I have PSA's response to this and I have Ryan Card Collector 2's um, subsequent response. He went live on Instagram and addressed everything, but he also then, I think this morning or maybe late last night, put out a, a, a text post on Instagram addressing, uh, providing more information and addressing the system a little bit more. So, um before we go to you guys, Rich and Brad, I'm, I'll, let's go through a couple comments just to get flush out all the ideas, and then I'll turn it over to you guys, okay? All right. So first thing we have is uh, 77 Claw says, Mike, Mike, Mike is the guy who owns Mark's Cards. Mark's Cards is the group submitter in question here. What He says uh, he went on the Sports Cards Nonsense podcast yesterday with a phone call he was not prepared for. He answered some questions and informed them that the story is not complete. We need to get all the facts. I did hear that. Great point from Cloth. Agreed. There's more information to come out for sure. Jenny Miller says, so true that PSA and any company needs to watch who they put on their company name as a good guy. Bingo, bango. Completely agree. B. Roy says, sadly, stuff like this happens, but at least it puts people on their toes. That's what I'm saying. It, it's going to, we're going to be stronger moving forward. Bobby Burrell says, uh, yes, there are some call, there are some, there are so-called some good problems in the hobby that help it go forward in a better way. I think we're saying the same thing, Bobby. Thank you. And Logan says PSA doesn't change until you're charged until your subs pop. But some group subbers were charging that up front and sitting on that reserve of cash. And that's where the risk lies. What do they do with it? So before we bring on and look at, unless you guys want to do it first, we can look at PSA's response to this and we can look at card collector twos. What I think guys we're better off showing the responses first. All right, so let's start with PSA's official statement. Here it is. I'll just read it. It says, this is an unfortunate incident, and our top priority is protecting the collectors who may have been impacted by the bankruptcy of Mark's cards. 
We are currently requesting detailed account information from Mark's cards for the impacted orders still at PSA with the expressed goal of returning cards to their rightful owners as soon as possible. We will not be charging customers for the return of their cards other than shipping. As of yet, we have not received payment from Mark's cards to grade the cards in our possession. And as a result of this incident, we will be making changes to our group submitter requirements. Hallelujah. Including a new order upfront deposit and a more ro- and more robust policies around late payments. We will also be requiring all group submitters to bring their accounts current in order to continue service with us. We ask for patience while we sort through this expensive and labor intensive process and with the end goal being the return of cards to their rightful owners. I mean, I don't think we could have asked for a better response from PSA here. It looks like they are willing to sort of uh, absorb a, a little bit of the cost, a little bit or a lot of the cost of this. Ryan Card Collector 2, I mean, gosh, to put out over $100,000 of your own money to protect your customers, that's about as stand-up as it gets for sure. couple of quick comments here. Uh, Eric Perry says, PSA might want to start charging up front. That's a possibility, although it's going to come out not, not with these backlog uh, rates. Ian Undercover, card collector, step up big time. He did. 70s Card Show says, how about you stop upcharging? Well, they can't stop upcharging. That's how they fund their guarantee. So if you stop upcharging, they're not going to be able to have their guarantee. And um, I'm a recent recipient of this guarantee. I don't want them to stop upcharging for sure, for sure. Um, so... Because it helped me out. I, I literally just finished dealing with PSA on a card that I had bought in their holder that was fake. Someone spotted it and said, this card's fake. And I sent it to PSA for a review. It came back fake. And I got paid market value or very close to it on that card. I basically sold the fake card for real card money. So, um, And that's what upcharging does. It, it funds that. So I'm, I'm, I'm all good for it. Good morning to Cardboard Culture. And he says, I'm sure they have insurance. They self-insure. They self-insure. They don't have insurance. They self-insure. And that's what the upcharge basically does. So all that done. What do you guys want to do? Should we look at, at Ryan Card Collector 2? Yeah, let's go to Ryan's Instagram. Card Collector 2. So right, for, again, Ryan went live on Instagram a couple of days ago. He talked about what happened. He really took complete responsibility for some poor judgment in terms of using Mark's cards in the first place. People continue to pile on, and here's his his response. He says, after two days since I went live, there are a few more things I want to talk about uh, with our business that was not addressed. I've said it before, but understand, using someone to drop off the cards and ship them back was not the right move. I can't change it now, but I can make sure anyone who used us gets their cards back and graded like they trusted us too. I'm genuinely sorry to every customer that was betrayed by the fact we used a middleman. We should have had conversations with PSA earlier and started up there sooner. That is a mistake on my part. I know that now. I didn't at any time, and it cost us a lot. We paid marks anywhere from $21 to $23 per card, plus all shipping charges. Most times, we were charging $27 to $28 per card. Prices moved a few times during the process, but would leave us around $5 on average per card uh, prior to expenses of margin. We had, we had meetings with our CPA to discuss all costs involved and to figure out what our profit per card was. I rented additional space to process and review orders. Plus, hired four to five people to help us with the process. Depending on volume of cards we were getting, it would fluctuate, but stay between $1 to $2 per card most weeks. I think that would be bottom line profit. While we were making money, our goal was to also build a team to support this growing operation. We had multiple positions for communication, receiving, reviewing, shipping, etc. The middleman wasn't to increase our profit. It was to be able to offer a lower cost to customers, get cards back quicker, and remain competitive nationally. But that was the mistake, putting my customers' cards on the line with someone I shouldn't have. If I could go back and do it over, I would. There are no excuses, but assure you any customer who trusted us to grade their cards will get them all back graded as asked so i've got my something better than that yeah i have my thoughts on this i've been talking for 10 minutes straight so let's turn it over to uh one of you two rich brad what do you think john williams i did go to school thank you for noticing (laughs) thank you for noticing appreciate your appreciate your constructive comment 
Okay. Who wants to take it? Well, you know, I, I, I talked about when I sold the table about the Brett BGS card I had. Well, I gave it to a friend of mine literally October of 2020 for BGS to get it. And it came back New Year's Eve 2021, and I picked it up at the show. So, I mean, but it was also when he got the cards, he had actually separated. And so even though I was part of his order, BGS knew they were my cards. So if something happened to him, I could just go and get those six cards. So that's a little different situation. But the point is, it's that you, if you know somebody does a lot of business with a BGS, a PSA, an SGC, and they get a special group rate, it's financially for a lot of people, as you said, about the time and the money makes sense to do that. You don't deal with it. If you know the less you have to deal with, the better. And you know, but every once in a while, because you know, if you have to get into the nuts and bolts and the weeds on every single thing you do for your business, that's not a good thing because you're wasting time doing things other people can do. And it's unfortunate, and I do not know the Mark's cards financial situation, but if it sounds like if they were collecting money up front to grade cards, why did you just put that money in escrow somewhere? Why didn't you just put that money where, okay, when then you, when you get charged, pay out of that, you're, you're getting interest on that money. I mean, if you're using that money to buy other things that, you know, that's not good business sense. So even if they went bankrupt, they still would have had the money in escrow. We can still pay our PSA. I, I, I think that's the worst thing where, they put everything into one pile of cash. If I, I know from what I've done, if I've gotten money on consignment for things, I always put that money in a separate place because that's not my money or that's not my cards. I don't want to screw up anybody else's stuff. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the faults that you can say they did. If I'm collecting $30 a card up front to send cards to PSA, that money's going into a different account. And that's enough money where I get enough interest where, you know what? So I go bankrupt. You still going to get your cards back. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It's the, 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 the fact that Mark's cards was commingling these funds with their general operating funds is, is bad, bad, bad news and bad operating practice. I've seen other group subbers come out since then and say that we keep all this money in a separate account. We don't touch it until we have to pay the bill. That's the way to do it. Um, Cardboard Culture says, you know, it's hindsight being 2020. Of course it is. Of course it's hindsight that he now, um, you know, realizes the mistake of trusting everything with with this uh, with this other uh, subber. Jenny says PSA has more than just cards from CC2 from my understanding. Yeah, they have. This is about the cards that Mark's cards sent to PSA and Mark's cards had many more customers than just Ryan. There were a lot of individuals. So yeah, this, this Ryan is just the, a person who has the, the social media uh, presence to come out and address the situation and, and help get more eyes on the situation as well, for sure. So good thing, good thing there. Uh, 70s Cartel says, Ryan wasn't where he is now in the industry when he did this sub. I completely understand the route he took. I don't know what it has to do with SGC, but okay, okay. And uh, let's see. I'm not going to get into some of these speculative things that I'm not aware of right now. Logan's comment's funny. Which one? Logan's comment. Logan's, oh, down here. I hope Mark's cards didn't play the ponies. For sure, for sure. Bobby Burrell says, Rich, it would appear there is much more to the story than that may come out in time. Right. Of course, I'm sure there will. The, and that's that's OK. Right. The fact that there's going to be more information is fine. Let, let's let's process it and, 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 and analyze it when we get it. But it doesn't take away from the fundamental lesson the hobby has learned here. PSA has learned here. LCSs have learned here, which is either do your own subs, whether or not you're on PSA's special list or not, either do your own submissions or. Do your due diligence on the person who you are doing it with. And uh, I think, I think, like I said, this part of the hobby, I believe, will be stronger moving, moving forward for sure. 
The uh, only way you fix things you pay up is front to discover, a, pro discover a problem. What's that's that the only thing that you pointed out earlier. That's the only way things get fixed. So there will be some pain, but there will be the eventual reward that, hey, we will fix these systems. Right, right. And, and for Ryan, a card collector too, I mean, he is owning up to having this middleman. To me, you know, his... His only error, and he has totally compensated for that error, but uh, the, his only error is um, trusting the wrong person. And for, you know, I can't, I can't, and I don't think we should really blame him for giving his customers cards to a third party because even though the worst case scenario happened, he's made, he's making his customers whole. He went and got the cards himself. He didn't, he's not sitting there waiting and hoping that they come back and, Oh, please, PSA, give me my cards. He went to PSA and got those, got those darn cards and, and made his customers whole. So how can you really fault him for that? And knowing, you know, him, he's a good dude moving forward. He's going to, uh, he's going to, uh, you know, do things in a more proper and safe sort of way. And I also want to point out that for PSA, Group submitters has always made sense because they usually get a break. You know, if you, you know, that was always going to me, that was always going to be one of their end goals was to have the group submitters do as much as possible because they were getting better pricing. And then it was easier to control what's coming in and what's going out. Because if you're getting and you've seen the photos. I mean, I think Nat Turner once posted the photo of, let's say, the floor of one of the PSA offices that was nothing but packages sent into grade. I mean, they, they literally destroyed the, the the post office at whatever town it was in with the amount of packages that were coming in during the peak. You know, so group submitters at least would let them have some control over how many orders there were. Yeah. So there were some positives to group submitting. This was just the worst possible conclusion for these people. And, and, and I don't think it's props to Ryan for that. Ryan's spending all that money out of his pocket. I mean, the internet should be, hey, wait a second, he's making good. Why are, why are you going after him? You know, right. go after the person that went bank. You know, I don't want to say find out why Mark's cards went bankrupt. I mean, if it was something where it was just uncontrollable, fine. But, you know, we need to know that, too. But if he was intermingling funds and using the PSA money to buy product that's not going to work out, then that's not good. No, that's unacceptable. Unacceptable. Here we go. 70s card show was says confused. PSA making everyone whole and CC2 making everyone whole sounds like an overlap, which it, it does. But you got to think that, I mean, my assumption, and that's all it is, is an assumption, is that somehow, some way, PSA will, will make sure Ryan is made whole himself um, or, or not. May, maybe not. I mean, time will tell. There's going to be lawyers involved and more information will come out that's that's for sure bobby makes the comment with the surge in the hobby in the past couple of years the dealer collector veneration i don't know what veneration means process has been possibly expedited 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 too quickly and or freely yeah i think i think i makes sense i think uh in in terms of you know we're, we're just putting our trust in people some people are putting their trust in some people that they that they likely likely shouldn't so yeah what does victor say good morning victor says psa is a big advocate for group submitters it made things a bit easier for them to process i'd assume however this obviously needs some vetting you know again yeah exactly and uh the couple good couple other comments here from uh cardboard culture the interesting thing is nowadays with the fact that this lesson has been recorded by many influencers yeah it's going to live on youtube it's now part of the hobby education that people can reference back and learn from and that's again that's what i'm saying the hobby will be stronger this 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 subsystem within our hobby will be tighter and stronger moving forward because this no one's going to want to let this happen again so we're going to take measures as a hobby to ensure it doesn't and hopefully psa leads the way with that and it seems like from their statement that they're planning to do so guys we're just past the one hour mark Final comments from uh, from the panel and the and the chat, and then we're going to wrap this up for Hobby Hotline on number one sixteen on this January twenty second, two thousand twenty two. Brad, just do due diligence and educate yourself, and 
baby step it if you're if you're not 100 sure i mean that's 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 i think that's the major lesson here is is just trust is such is so hard to build in the hobby and so easy to lose just due diligence that's and thanks everybody for being you you do you boo there i got it in Okay. Well, I, I got a couple things to say. One, Brad's, you know, when dad's, when Brad's father passed last year, he had the interesting dilemma what to do with his father's cards. His father had some pretty nice cards. And we, we eventually were able to convince him he'd be honoring his dad's memory by getting those cards to various collectors, which he's done to some extent. You know, there have been RAKs, what they call random acts of kindness to various people. And, you know, you look behind me or you look behind Brad, you see all those boxes. I had been running shows for my synagogue pre-pandemic. My guess is that COVID-19 endemic instead of pandemic willing, and God willing, we just bought a new building. It won't be quite as big, but we should be able to run a show. And then we can go back to giving away cards to everybody who walks in the door. It probably won't be a prizes for everybody who's just getting cards. But, you know, I hadn't really even been publicizing it. But I'm still getting plenty of cards. And by the way, I'm never going to turn down a donation. Uh, but I'm still getting plenty of cards from people and to give away. And I think that's a blessing, too. And so there's a lot of good things out there. And I think as long as we try, we talked a lot about negative things. But we also talked about the positive things today. And I think as long as we understand that as a hobby, overall, it's more positive than negative, And these bumps in the road to sort of that will be okay. Well, yeah. And it's, it's like, uh, it's like, here we go. That 70s card show says, uh, looking forward to the positives that come out of this. And that that's, I think that's the best uh, outlook to have. And thank you for the great show comment. John Williams says, I don't know CC2. Apparently no one does vouch for no one. It's not the way I want to live my life, John Williams. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I like to trust some people and I, I will, I will vouch for people. Um, not everybody, you got to earn my vouch. And, uh, once you've earned my vouch, I'm, I'm going to vouch for you. So, uh, and if not, then, you know, shame on me and pay the price, just like just like CC2 did. And uh, that's something you have to be willing to do. Jenny Miller says, I wonder if this has happened before or similar, just no social media. There's always there's always bad actors in our hobby. Thanks, Logan Ward. Very, very much appreciate that. 3B Collection has been the recipient of a few random acts of kindness. Bobby says due diligence certainly has varying degrees of resolve. Yeah, due diligence also is not without its weaknesses you 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 depends how how good you are at doing your due diligence um i've been subject to lots of due diligence in my professional life and conducted due diligence and it really depends how far you go but you you know how far will they let you go you know how will they sh will they show you your banks bring up your bank statement on screen let's see it you know are they going to do that sort of thing thank you baseball card trooper thank you 77 claw thank you bobby Thank you, Baseball Card Trooper, again. So that's it, everybody. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Hobby Hotline. Don't forget Hobby Hotline Overtime on Tuesdays now. And uh, and check out tonight on my show, Sports Cards Live, where myself and Adam Gray from Basketball Card Fanatic will be. By the way, Adam is really good. We'll be covering the uh, PWCC Premier Auction tonight. We always have a Adam lot of fun doing really that. Adam is really good. Adam does a great job with his magazine. Yeah, he, he, yeah, check out basketball card bcfmag.com is where you can go to see that. So again, thanks everybody for tuning out. We're going to hit the outro and uh have a great day, have a great weekend and week ahead to all fellow hobbyists. Thank you for tuning in and good day. <laughs>